Manhattan Public Works crews are continuing to patch potholes across the city. This is the worst season we've had since 2020, by far uh, worse than 21 or 22. That's city engineer Brian Johnson speaking with K-Man Wednesday. He says roughly 300,000 pounds of patch material was put onto Manhattan roadways in the month of January. When temperatures are so cold, however, the bonding material being used does not adhere to existing potholes. However, that should improve as the temperatures continue to warm up. In the wintertime, we can't get what's called normal or hot mix asphalt. We have to use a cold patch material because the asphalt plants close when it gets so cold. So we're using a different material in the winter than we are in the summer. City officials noted Wednesday that the southbound lane of Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard remains closed until further notice from Colorado south to Fort Riley Boulevard. The outside eastbound lane of Bluemont Avenue from Juliet East to the 4th Street Roundabout is also closed for pothole repairs. The Manhattan City Commission appears to have enough support for a potential resolution supporting Medicaid expansion. During Tuesday's city manager briefing, commissioners discussed whether getting into the state's political fight was in the city's best interest. City commissions in Emporia and Russell have similarly passed resolutions aimed at pressuring legislative leadership in Topeka to bring the Medicaid expansion discussion to the floor for a debate. Commissioner John Mata says he thinks the city commission should stick to matters that affect city business and not get involved in the state's partisan political battles. And I mean, how many things are we going to start weighing in on because they're having an issue here and they're trying to lobby? I think we should be taking care of our city business and let the state people take care of their business unless they want to cut our LA, you know, the LAVTR that they're not doing, which is a direct funding source or dark store. Others on the commission, however, disagreed. Commissioner Karen McCullough says the Medicaid expansion issue extends to mental health care providers, which haven't had increases in Medicaid funding since 2009. Obviously, that then impacts the number of people we're able to assist in the city, plus the number of people we're able to assist in the jail, where probably 70 to 80 percent of the inmates have some need for mental health assistance or have some significant drug use. City staff are working on a draft resolution, which will likely be considered at a future meeting. The city commission is also modifying the public comment policy for commission meetings. At Tuesday's work session, commissioners unanimously agreed to allow public comment at both of the monthly legislative meetings. In the past, public comment was offered at just the first monthly legislative meeting. Comments at work sessions will continue to be at the commission's discretion. Mayor Wynn Butler says he plans to stick with the usual five-minute time frame for audience members to speak, unless there's any situation where several people want to speak and it affects the length of the meetings. Well, what I plan on doing is, you know, sticking with our policy. If we get 100 people to want to talk, then it's going to be a case of, okay, commissioners, do you agree we should shorten it to three or limit it to one hour? And, and that, that's the way to handle it. Two Manhattan men are in custody after police say they robbed a man near downtown Manhattan this week. RCPD arrested 25-year-old Brandon Welty and 19-year-old Joseph Bauer on charges of aggravated robbery with a deadly weapon. Those arrests occurred just after 5 Tuesday in the 400 block of Leavenworth Street. In a statement, RCPD says a 29-year-old man had his backpack stolen after the pair brandished a weapon. A search warrant was conducted and those two were soon apprehended. Both men have lengthy criminal histories that date back to 2019. Bauer is currently charged in Pottawatomie County for burglary. Welty pled guilty last year to burglary as well. The pair remain in custody with Welty bonded at $82,000. Bauer is jailed on a $90,000 bond. RCPD is also investigating a motor vehicle theft this week at a Manhattan church. Police say the Rock Hills Church reported an unknown suspect stole their 2003 GMC Sierra pickup truck. 
So far, no arrests have been made. Anyone with information is encouraged to contact Crime Stoppers. A Riley County firefighter was recently presented the Harold Bellman Award, which is the highest honor presented by Riley County Fire District No. 1. John Wink, a second-generation winner, was recognized at the fire department's annual awards banquet in January. Known for having a positive attitude, Wink was recognized for his firefighting skills, but also for leadership in training new volunteers. He's actively involved in various community roles as a cattle producer, a farmer, and member of the Riley County Planning and Development Board. His father, Ivan, also won the award back in 2003. The award honors the legacy of Harold Bellman, a former Randolph mayor who played a pivotal role in consolidation of the fire district. County officials say the award is a symbol of recognition for those who have served the department for an extended period of time and have demonstrated exceptional leadership. Many of the past winners have also held the position of battalion chief. The Manhattan Lions Club is raising money this weekend and serving up some hot breakfast for the public. Club member Alan Van Nomen. This one is a little more simple, straight on through. Uh, biscuits and gravy included with it, and that's for uh, $5 for adults, $2 for children under 12, and uh, coffee, juice with that too, and good hospitality. The event raises money for Shepherd's Crossing, the Manhattan Emergency Shelter, Habitat for Humanity, and the Crisis Center. It'll take place 7 to 1 this Saturday at the College Avenue United Methodist Church. Good morning, I'm Troy Coverdale with your sports update from News Radio KMAN as KMAN's morning news continues. It was a game that saw 13 lead changes and 10 ties, but number 2 K-State struggled in the fourth quarter. And the Oklahoma Sooners upset the Wildcats 66-63 in Big 12 women's basketball in Norman last night. The Wildcats shot a season-low 36% from the field. They did equal their season high for three-point field goals made by going 11-30. Certain stretches when they got amped up, we tried to answer that with a bunch of threes. And so um, I liked, you know, I thought uh, we were able to get some stuff in our offense that was really good. But then the rushed threes, the guarded threes in transition, that looked much like they play. Um, I think that also contributed to some fatigue in stretch of, the, of this game. The Wildcats had three players reach double figures, led by sophomore forward Gisela Sanchez with a career-high 18 points, including three of eight from long range. She also added nine rebounds. Junior guard and All-American candidate Serena Sundell recorded her third career double-double with 15 points, 10 boards, and eight assists. Junior Jalen Glenn notched 11 points, including knocking down three of seven from beyond the arc. She had four assists and three rebounds. All told, Cats coach Jeff Mitty not unhappy with the effort of his team. There's no shame in this one. We fought hard. Um, we we got to clean up some of the other things because there's some self-inflicted problems here. Um, but uh, all in all, I thought our players played hard. Next up for the Wildcats is a showdown with fellow top 25-er Texas on Sunday afternoon. Tip-off at 1 o'clock. We'll have coverage on News Radio KMAN and Sunny 1025 beginning at 1230 that day. Also in women's basketball last night in the top 25, Iowa star Caitlin Clark moved into second on the NCAA women's basketball career scoring list, finishing with 35 points, 10 assists, and 6 boards in the Hawkeyes' 110-74 win over Northwestern. It marked her 13th game this season with at least 30 points. 
Big 12 men's action last night. West Virginia downs Cincinnati 69-65. 18th ranked Baylor, a winner over UCF 77-69. Also in the top 25, number one UConn drops Providence 74-65. Second ranked Purdue handles Northwestern 105-96. Number 10 Kentucky falls to Florida 94-91. 16th ranked Auburn Blasts Vanderbilt, 81-54. 19th rated New Mexico falls to Boise State, 86-78. And number 24, Alabama, ousts Georgia, 85-76. The Kansas Basketball Coaches Association latest rankings released this week continue to have the Wamigo girls at number two in the 4A ranks. While there were a few changes in the ratings, the Junction City boys did bump back up to number seven in the 6A boys ranks, up two spots from number nine a week ago. Nick Perez's team at 12-2 on the season following their home victory over defending 6A champ and current number 3 in 6A, Blue Valley Northwest. In 4A boys, Rock Creek remains 7th in the rankings. The Mustangs at 11-1 on the season. They currently lead the Mideast League with an unbeaten 5-0 mark. The Mustangs are back on the hardwood Friday night when they visit Riley County. The Frankfurt girls fell from number 4 to number 5 in 1A Division I girls despite Winning four straight, the Frankfurt ladies are 11-3. and three. The attorneys general of Tennessee and Virginia have filed an antitrust lawsuit against the NCAA, challenging its ban on the use of name, image, and likeness compensation in the recruitment of college athletes. The legal challenge comes in response to the NCAA's investigation announced this week of University of Tennessee Athletics for potential recruiting infractions. The lawsuit filed in the Eastern District of Tennessee claims the NCAA is enforcing rules that unfairly restrict how athletes can commercially use their name, image, and likeness. Other antitrust suits challenging transfer rules, employment status for athletes, and athlete compensation rules are already facing the NCAA. The PGA Tour is getting a $3 billion shot in the arm from Strategic Sports Group. That deal would give players access to more than $1.5 billion as equity owners in the new PGA Tour Enterprises. The launch of the group comes eight months after the tour signed a framework agreement with the Saudi backers of Live Golf. That led to the private equity groups wanting to become involved. The tour is still negotiating with the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia. It's not yet part of the new venture. The tour says its partnership with SSG would allow for the Saudis to be co-investors. Coming up this evening on News Radio KMAN, the Jerome Tank Coaches Show comes your way at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow night, we're back to high school basketball coverage as the Manhattan High Boys and Girls visit Hayden with full coverage here on News Radio KMAN. The game this afternoon from 4 until 6 at News Radio KMAN.